This is Money Guide with Mary Stirk from Stirk Financial Services. Now, here's Mary Stirk. Welcome to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. And today's topic is what is robo advice? So, welcome, Amy. Welcome. Thank you, Mary. Welcome to you, too. <laughs> Gosh, I was. When you brought this topic up, I had no idea, but I will say, like a lot of the listeners, I'm sure that are listening, um, it's, I thought, a RoboCop. Oh, <laughs> you know, that was my association with the word robo. There you go. Robo advice. It's kind of a new cutting edge thing that's happening in the investing world. And it's a result of a lot of regulatory change that's been happening in the financial industry. And I want to talk about what robo advice means because okay. people are going to hear more and more about it. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about when does it make sense to utilize robo-advice and when does life call for that human touch of financial advice with a person? Okay, great. So that probably kind of tees you up to understand what robo-advice actually is. So robo-advice is basically a digital platform that uses advanced algorithms, which are based on a various you know, set of financial modeling and assumptions okay. to select and manage your investments. Okay. So simply put, it's a computer managing your money. Okay. All right. And what's and this what's one of the primary things this is supposed to be designed to do? Well, it's designed to keep your costs low of your management. Okay. And to completely eliminate any emotional investing decisions ah. that human beings might make. Okay. Okay. All right. Now I think that it's more about the costs than it <laughs> yes. is about the emotional side of it. <clears throat> so w- would robo-advice also differ like a financial advisor if you select A or B, you know? Yeah, that- so that's where robo-advice is tricky is because oh, okay. robo-advice, based on a series of questions that somebody would answer mm-hmm. online, okay, it will put you into a portfolio that is the exact same portfolio for anybody who answers the questions the same Got way. Got it. Okay. Okay. So I <clears throat> would say that the there's no customization to it mm-hmm. outside of the fact that you've answered a series of questions to get to your end result, but your end result is going to be the same as thousands of other people who've answered the questions the exact same way. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. So... That's basically what robo-advice is. It's computer-driven algorithms that are selecting and managing investments for people based on their answers at the beginning of their investment to a series of questions. Okay? So, obviously, it's something that's just taking the whole human factor out of it. And one of the things that crossed my mind is when we refer to the millennial generation, that generation is a lot more comfortable Yes. Being online. Right. And I would imagine this was generated much from, you know, that sort of thinking. Yeah. I, and I think that that is true. And I also think that it's driven from the idea that with the new fiduciary era mm-hmm. that the financial industry is moving towards. Now, we've been fiduciaries for years with our clients, but mm-hmm. uh, the industry is finally moving in that direction. The new fiduciary era is demanding fee-based money management and robo-advising, if you take the human element out of it, can Mm -hmm. deliver computer-generated algorithms for a much lower cost. Okay. Okay. So 
let's just give you an example. A financial advisor might charge somewhere between one to one and a half percent to manage a portfolio. Okay. A robo advisor might charge half a percent. Okay. To manage a portfolio. And, and there's I, no shame of, oh, I know it's not very much money I have. <laughs> that's exactly You know, there's a huge right. component yes. of that. Yes. And, and so... First of all, let's talk about the process of how robo-advice works, and then let's talk about where it's effective, because okay. it's not that robo-advice in and of itself is a bad thing. I think that it's a very good thing in the right situations, but you have to know when that situation is to know whether or not it's right for you. Okay. All right. So to start the process of robo-advice, an investor is going to fill out a standard online questionnaire, and it's going to be designed to determine their risk tolerance level and their investment objectives. Okay. Now, that's good because all of your investments should be aligned with your risk tolerance level and all of your investments should be aligned with your investment objectives. Mm, <laughs> so right. fundamentally, sure. I have no problem with this so far. <laughs> and another thing that comes to mind for the person <clears throat> who doesn't feel savvy about this, this is going to be asking them questions that they've never thought about. Yes, probably mm -hmm. so. Not that an advisor doesn't do that, but it's just an interesting approach. Yep. Now, the software that the robo-advice platform is built on is going to then build a portfolio with some type of mix of assets that align with your short or your long-term stated goals that you answered mm -hmm. in the questions. Okay. And then the robo-advice is usually programmed automatically to place trades, to generate reports, to rebalance your portfolios, and to do any other kind of standard asset management tasks that are mm -hmm. kind of considered the norm. Okay. Okay. So that's basically what the robo-advice is going to do. So if you want to not talk to a person, if you want to just go online, you literally can do 100% of this on your computer, do it all yourself, and get to a point where you have a robo-advice portfolio that is tied to the answers to your questions. Okay. Okay. So when is this the right thing to do? I think that robo-advice is best served for small accounts. I could see why. Yeah. So in, when, when I say small accounts, first of all, I 100% understand and recognize that the word small means different things to yes. different people. Right. <laughs> right. Isn't that so true? Similar to the word wealthy means different things to different people. Yes, absolutely. So I... I had a person once tell me that the definition of a lot of money always means more than you have. <laughs> <laughs> so it doesn't matter how much you have, but when you oh, think, oh, that's a lot yeah. of money, it's always a bigger number than what you've got. <laughs> My reference is buckets of cash. Buckets of cash. There you go. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, but do they have... Is it smaller assets that you need as well and divining minimal? How about minimal assets needed to do this type yeah. of program? And, and again, that's going to be a different version of a dollar number, uh -huh. right? So for some right. people, a small account might mean $50. And for some people, a small account might mean $50,000. Right. But generally speaking, in the investment world, mm -hmm. a small account is going to be considered anything under $50,000. Okay. 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 And the, the truth of it is, is that there are so many different ways to manage money out there. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the different, more sophisticated investment platforms don't even 
become available to people until you have at least $50,000 that mm. you can put into it. Mm -hmm. So that's where I think robo advice is coming in to fill a bit of a gap is if you can't talk to a human mm -hmm. about your account, if it's under $50,000, if you can't find an advisor that you like who's willing to work with a small account like that, then the robo advice oh, is a way sure. to at least get that money invested for yourself. Mm -hmm. And it's aligned with your risk tolerance level and it's aligned with some of your investment objectives. And even though it's a cookie cutter approach, at least it's getting you there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's and there's some, you know, increasing awareness. Correct. Going on. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So the 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 robo advice I think has a place with small accounts. I also think that robo advice can effectively be used when there's not any complexity. Oh, sure. So what I mean by that is there's not a lot of complexity if you um have are 100% sure of what the purpose of the investment is, mm. right? So if it's a small account and you know you're not going to touch it for 40 years because you're young and this is maybe a 401k from a job that you had for three years and you got $4,000 sure. in there, sure. there's not a lot of complexity right. with that. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Right. Now, I'm not minimizing it because that $4,000 matters in somebody's life. But mm -hmm. what I am saying is that from a pure investment standpoint, that's not complex to manage. So that's another place where robo-advice could be a cheap and effective way to uh, manage that pool of money. Right. Okay. I also think that robo-advice can come into play if you're super tech savvy. All right. And I tend to think that that leans more towards a younger generation. Right. So the younger generation, if you're tech savvy, if you are job hopping, if you're moving a lot and you really just want a hands-off approach to dealing with your money, but you know that it needs to get managed somehow, okay. then robo-advice might be a great way for you to tie into something. All right. Yep. That that all sounds good. I would much rather see young people utilize robo-advice than no advice. <laughs> yeah. Or bad <laughs> advice. Well, that's yeah. true, too. I don't want to see anybody do that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So... Those are some of the things that robo-advice can be used for. When we come back, we're going to talk about what the downfall of robo-advice can be, though, okay. and, and where you maybe wouldn't want to use that. Welcome back to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. And today we're talking about this new concept called robo-advice and talking about what it is. And as we outlined in the first part of the show, robo-advice basically is a digital platform that uses computer-generated algorithms to select and manage investments okay. based off your answers to a series of questions. Okay. So it's why it's called robo-advice is it's robotic. It's computer-generated. Sure. sure. All right. So we talked about where robo-advice can be effective, which is in small accounts or things that have very little complexity, mm -hmm. or people who are highly tech-savvy and want a completely hands-off approach to money. Sure, sure. You know, one question that comes to mind for me, Mary, is because I'm not, I'm not really tech-savvy or investment-savvy, I have a lot of questions. Sure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I have probably 10 questions to a person that's very uh, strategic-minded, you know, and how you would be addressed. And... Um, and you have handkerchiefs on your desk <laughs> or, or Kleenex. Kleenex in but, case you cry. <laughs> but so I think, so what I'm trying to say is like, as your life becomes more complex, as your investments are growing, I, I, like, you, I don't think a robo, how does that work with 
um, the complexity. Well, I think that that's probably the biggest downfall that Robo Advice okay. has is that financial advice is always evolving and changing as your life evolves and changes. And mm. Robo Advice does not evolve and change; it's static. Okay. And so I think that you can oftentimes outgrow the Robo platform. Oh, as sure. you get a more complex life and as you build more complex wealth. Yes, a bigger portfolio, I would imagine, would. Yeah. yeah, so a bigger portfolio is definitely something that the robo-advice is not likely to be as an effective, you know, match for. And and that's just the thing, like the cookie-cutter approach to robo-advice, oh. that's, cookie-cutters are great for that's... sugar cookies. <laughs> Frosted Christmas cookies, those kind of things. But I'm not so sure that it's a great long-term solution for bigger portfolios, wealthier people, and more complex situations. Mm, the cavities of your portfolio. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so here's the thing is like the minute that you have a health issue, mm -hmm. robo-advice isn't going to solve for that. The minute you have a transition in your life, like a marital mm -hmm. change, or the minute that you're going to uh, decide you want to retire early – those things can't be answered in robo-advice. Those things require the evolving advice and the more human look at what is going to match up with you where you are now. Sure. So I I think that the the human advice factor is really going to tie in more and more with people's transition planning. And when you go through a transition, the simple fact is having a human being that you connect with that you can trust is very important because that is someone who can guide you through your transition. Mm -hmm. And then you always know that the advice is customized for you and it's not just cookie cutter approach. Well, and as you know, that familiar voice that also quote unquote takes you off the ledge when you have concerns or, right. you know, because as much as you preach, try and make your investments not emotional. Yep. We are humans uh -huh. <laughs> and we're going to tie emotions with, uh, various things. We are. And and so here's like an interesting thing. I And this is a question that I frequently ask people when I'm getting to know them, when we're developing a new client relationship is, what was money like growing up for you? Uh -huh. And the reason that I ask that is because it gives me some unique insight into your, your money psychology mm -hmm. and how you value money. And this is a generalization. Certainly it's not true for everybody. But in general, if you grew up where money was easy. Mm -hmm. If you grew up with ease with money, if you didn't feel like your family was strapped, you generally will have a higher level of risk acceptance with your oh, portfolio. Sure. And you'll generally feel like, ah, well, you know, if it goes down a little bit, that's fine. I'll figure out a way to live because money's easy. Yes. Right. But if you grew up in an environment where you were poor, then you probably have a niggling thing in the back of your mind that says, I'm not sure there's ever going to be enough steaks in the freezer for me to feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. So it's and the money ties to that. Yes. Right. So yes. you tend to be less risky. You tend to focus more on security. You worry more about not losing the money you have mm -hmm. than about maximizing the growth. Right. So I'm not saying that's the same for everybody, but I can tell from the answer to that one question how people tend to lean in their mm. comfort level with money management. Mm -hmm. And that's not something a robo-platform is ever going to uncover. Oh, absolutely. Right? So, you know, and I know, like, and, and one thing, you know, when, Amy, you and Steve actually started doing your planning with us shortly yes. after you started working with us, I remember something Steve said. Okay. And he said that 
the experience of the market downturn in 2008 scarred him. Yes. Yes. And I'm 100% sure there's plenty of listeners out there who feel the same way. Oh, right. Well, and, you know, Steve was referring, um, you know, for me, because at that time um, I was working as a headhunter, uh, executive recruiter, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it. And the the companies that were hiring me to find people no longer, this was commercial construction, the banks quit giving loans. You know, there was mm-hmm. just this whole series of events and it's just, the well just went dry immediately. So your portfolio dropped because yes. of the markets, but then yes. your lives were impacted because of your career yes. being impacted by this drop in the markets. Yes, right? we both had a Double whammy. whammy. Yep. Triple whammy in your yeah. case, right? Yes. So very scarring. And, and the thing is, that was not an abnormal situation. That mm-hmm. happened for so many people. And I hear all the time when people come into my office of, I don't want to go through another 2008. Oh, do you so, say me neither? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm with you there. <laughs> But the thing is, robo-advice can't answer that, right? Yeah, you can, when there's a downturn. Yeah, yeah. well, the, one of the things is that robo-advice has yet to be tested in an economic downturn or oh. periods of extreme market volatility because it hasn't been around long enough. Sure. We haven't had a 2008 to test that, mm-hmm. okay? So we don't know what robo-advice is going to look like if investors panic or inexperienced investors want to abandon an investment strategy mm-hmm. because you can just change the answers on your robo advice. It's going to change your portfolio. There's nobody there saying, now, wait a second, let's make sure this is the right long-term decision for you. Let's talk about why you think this, why you feel this, and let's adjust accordingly. So mm-hmm. that there's there's an unprovenness to the robo advice response to market craziness. Mm-hmm. I think about the number of times um, when I'm having a conversation with someone and let's say their 401ks come up. This is a great example mm-hmm. with robo advice versus the human um, touch. It's I have two 401ks, but honestly, the thought of moving them, it's a, the trust factor. Mm-hmm. I Am I going to put them... Who's going to show me where these need to go and why? Sure. And and the truth is, you know, the financial the industry trust. has had plenty of black eyes because there's been some <laughs> scoundrels in it. Yeah. You know, everybody right. knows the name <laughs> Bernie Madoff. <laughs> Nobody wants to encounter a guy like that. Yeah. But there's plenty of trustworthy advisors out there. And so developing a human connection with somebody is going to enhance that trust level. And then if you actually can find that trust and then it leads you to the confidence to make good financial decisions, your outcome should be stronger. Whereas if you don't do anything or even if you just rely on robo advice, it's kind of like the paralysis. Mm -hmm. And so your outcome is not really going to be as strong as it could be because you're defaulting into doing nothing versus taking action based on strategic confidence. And robo advice is not going to give you choices, right? It's just going to say, based on your criteria, do this. Right. So, you know, if if you can answer 10 questions, Mm -hmm. then it's going to say, do this. But it doesn't, you know, it's not going to say, you know, listen, husband, do, are you and your wife on the same page with this? Oh. <laughs> and let me tell you, most of you aren't. <laughs> listen, husband. <laughs> listen, wife. <laughs> yeah, are there going to be male and female robots? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> oh, dear. But the so, you know, that the whole like piece of of um, aligning within your family unit, too, mm. is part of something that the financial advisor can help bring to the table if that's if they're using a more consultative approach yes. like that, which that rem- that brings up to me, Mary, how does how does it work with um, like accountability? 
for example? Well, the robo-advice is just simply an algorithm, so it's only accountable to whatever the market. So big do. disclaimer, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but so so we talked about when's the right time to use robo-advice. Uh-huh. The right time not to use it is is this. If you have any level of complexity, so once your portfolio gets, to, let's say, maybe over 100000 for sure, I think you're walking out of that range of robo and yes. into something that's more complex. Yeah. If you have multiple accounts... Mm-hmm then looking at that is important. If you have any kind of tax planning that you want to do, mm-hmm. I think that makes a difference. I don't think robo-advice can answer that as well. If you have health issues yourself that mm-hmm. you have to factor into the planning, and quite frankly, if you have children, mm-hmm. when their lives are always changing, I think that that takes you out of the realm of robo too. Yes. So those are the things, those are the kind of issues that would make you want to say, let's talk to a human versus you know, go the robo route. Yes. Now, understand human advice is going to be more expensive than robo advice because there's a person involved that needs to get compensated. But you would, because of the customization of the advice, generally speaking, you're going to find a stronger outcome that's more aligned with what you want to see happen. Yes. So thanks for listening to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. And we hope that you have learned a little bit about robo advice and when to use it and when not to use it. Views expressed are not necessarily the opinion of your audio provider and should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities or services mentioned herein. Investing is subject to risks, including loss of principal invested. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. No strategy can assure a profit nor protect against loss. Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should only be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Woodbury Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Insurance offered through Sterk Financial Services, which is not affiliated with Woodbury Financial. Sterk Financial Services is located at 350 Oak Tree Lane, Suite 150, Dakota Dunes, South Dakota 57049, and can be reached at 605-217-3555.